0: It was on September the 12th, September 16th, 1962. President John Kennedy had traveled to Houston, Texas. He'd gone to Rice University. And there he was out on the football field and he was going to be giving a speech. The speech was going to be about going to the moon. Now you need to understand he happened to have gone on the weekend, on the week, right before the weekend, where Rice University was going to be playing the University of Texas in football. There at Rice. Now, having grown up in Houston, I can tell you that that day was usually a very difficult day. It was pretty hard on Rice, but everyone was excited about it and here the president was coming to be able to talk. And and that day he wanted to talk about this dream of going to the moon. You see, just a few months earlier, he had gone before Congress, and there at Congress he had asked for appropriations saying before the end of the decade, I want us to put a man on the moon and bring him back. It was an inspiring speech. I want to read you just a little bit of what he said. But why, some say, the moon? Why choose this as our goal? They may well also ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does rice play Texas We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win. And so we did. We accepted the challenge. Seven years later, just seven years later, Neil Armstrong on July the 20th, 1969, would climb out of the lunar lander and walk on the moon. Now you've got to remember when Kennedy said, let's go to the moon before the end of the decade, we had all of 15 minutes in space. The suborbital flight of Alan Shepard. We'd been in space 15 minutes and Kennedy is saying, let's go to the moon. Why? We felt it was something important for us to do. And it would require such hard work. It would not be easy. It would require thousands upon thousands of people, hours upon hours. It would require so much money. Three astronaut lives would be lost on a launch pad. It would be hard. But in the end, it's because we accepted the challenge that we learned so much. We developed new technology. We developed new materials. There was an incredible sense of national pride, if you will remember, when we were doing this. We made it all the way to the moon, and it brought us incredible meaning and joy. We go, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. I thought about our scripture lesson this morning. Jesus gathering with his disciples on the night of the Last Supper. During the season of Lent, we're trying to look here at the end days of Jesus' life. We know that Jesus gathers his disciples on that night and, and now he's having a calling for them. It's really a mission. a sending them out. And Jesus is going to tell his disciples, you are going to go out and do the works that I have been doing. In fact, even greater works you will do because I go to the Father. Jesus didn't just ask the disciples, go to Jerusalem. No, Jesus said, I want you to go to the whole world. It will not be easy. It will be hard. It will require great sacrifice and creativity. It will work to focus your energies and your skills. It will take everything from you that you can offer. But know that I go with you. You will do the works that I do and greater works you will do because I will go with you. It will not be easy. It will be hard. But you will change the world. You know, this morning is a very special morning. I believe in the life of St. Luke's Church. In just five weeks from now, we're going to be celebrating the 125th anniversary of St. Luke's. 125 years ago, on that first Sunday after the land run, a group of people gathered in what was downtown Oklahoma City, staked a white flag, blew a bugle for people to come, we sang What a Friend We Had in Jesus, and we started as a church. In the last 125 years, this church has done incredible things here and around the world. We have sought, been seeking always to follow Christ and to see how we are called to go out and make disciples. Well, I believe when we come to that 225th anniversary, they'll talk about this day. The day when we decided to be very committed to satellite campus ministry. The beginning of a new St. Luke's satellite campus in Edmond. Now, we've already started with this in the last year. We have St. Luke's Asbury, we have St. Luke's Fuente de Vida. These were two churches, though, that had already been established. They had land, they had buildings, they had history. And they came to be a part of this family of faith so we could cast new vision, a new mission. But this is the first time that we will have gone and truly started something from scratch. To start with a new beginning and to ultimately find land and build buildings and create a whole new campus from which to launch ministry into a new area. You know, I've had people say, so why do you do this? And the answer is, It will not be easy. But we do it because Christ's call is to go make disciples. To go into all the world. To do the works that I do and great works you will do because I go to the Father. We do it because it's the right thing to do. We do it because we know it will be hard. You know, This morning, I want to continue on with this sermon series, this whole Lenten series of Made for Goodness. We kind of used as our anchor for this Lenten series, Genesis 1, where we've been thinking about when the Bible says, you were created in the image of God. And God, when He created us male and female in His image, God said, it is very good. Not just good, it is very good. To be made in the image of God. If you think about it, God is the creator. If you're made in God's image, then what it means is you have been given the gift of imagination, creativity. Like God, you begin power and freedom to create, to bring into being. And the things that you and I choose to bring into being are not always easy. Sometimes they are hard. But when you and I choose to do those good things... To use our imagination and creativity to create the good things, it resonates with our very soul because that's who we are, made in God's image, wanting to create the beautiful and the good that bless. Why do you think we all have in this innate nature, desire, it may be to learn how to sing or how to play a musical instrument. It may be to learn how to write or to learn how to play golf. It is not easy. It will be hard. Why does someone want to start a business or start a church? Or why do you choose to become a mom or a dad? It is not easy. It is hard. But there's something about giving yourself your imagination, your creativity, your freedom to bring into being that which changes the world and leaves the world a better place. Jesus called his disciples... I'm going to send you out, not to Jerusalem, to the world. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But you will change the world. I believe there's a hunger and desire in all of us for that. I want us to think about that this morning. And I I just want to share with you three ideas. First of all, this gift of imagination, this gift of creativity, it can be used for good or for evil. The power, the freedom you have to use your imagination, it can use to build up and bless life. It can use to tear down. The question is, do you keep your life centered, founded on Christ? On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus is having the celebration of what we now call Holy Communion to say, I want me to be in you, to you to be in me I want you to stay centered in me so you can go do the works that I do and even greater things. The question is, in Lent, we look at our lives, is the foundation of your life Christ? As many of you know, about 10 days ago, I celebrated my 60th birthday. We decided as a family we all wanted to get together. It was going to be perfect on spring break. And so we went down to San Antonio we went down there to go to um, Hyatt Wild Oak Ranch. It was a place that had a lazy river and it had swimming pools and slides and, and putt putt golf and horseshoes. A perfect family friendly place. And so all the kids and the grandkids, we all came together for several days just to be able to, to have some fun, to be together and to be able to celebrate. And, and it was a good time. We're going to end on Friday night. I was going to come home on Saturday so I could be with you last Sunday. But on Friday afternoon, I had a surprise. And the surprise was the kids had gone out and contacted my old college roommate, John Fincher. John and I had gone to high school together. And then I did his wedding, he and Debbie's wedding, um, about 35 years ago. And then when I graduated from seminary and I came back to Houston right out of seminary to start a new church, John and Debbie were living in Houston and they came and helped to start Mission Bend United Methodist Church. They came to meet in town West Elementary and, and, and to help provide incredible leadership um, for this church to get started. Well, I, you know, I keep up with John, but I don't get to see John every once, every five years, 10 years. They'd called them, they live in Austin, and they drove over to San Antonio to show up and surprise me. And there was John and Debbie. And we had such a good time just sitting down to catch up and to talk. We started visiting about friends in the church. Where are they? What are they doing? And, and then as we were visiting, you know, all about friends in high school, what happened in their life. And, and then suddenly Debbie spoke up and she said, You know, Bob, didn't you say when we came to Mission Ben that 80% of all the people who come to a new church had not been active in any church in five or more years? I said, That's correct. 80% had not been active in any church in five or more years. She said, that was us we hadn't been going to church but we decided to try and I just got to tell you it's because we came and made a commitment and because wherever we have now moved we've always found the church home that's become such an important part of our life I got to tell you it has affected the direction that our life has taken I'm sitting here talking to my old college roommate. We'd had a lot of good times younger. And I suddenly find out that my college roommate has now written two children's books. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no, no, I've written these children's books. And they're all about love and peace and reconciliation. It's about our faith. He said, there's an organization in Dallas that's working in Africa, like in Somalia, trying to bring reconciliation and peace. They're going to buy 20,000 copies because they like the message and they want to use it. All the proceeds from the book, though, he said, are going to this mission I've become involved in in Honduras. And I'm listening to him talk, and I'm going, wow. I I knew John's life. I knew when he graduated college, he opened a business. He was an entrepreneur and went bankrupt. And he opened a second business, and it went bankrupt. And he opened a third business, and he did really well. Well enough, it provided him some freedom to kind of do things he wanted to do in life. He wasn't afraid to fail. He wasn't afraid to try. He had a faith that could stain him. But as we started talking, he said, Bob, I look at my life and the direction it has taken, and it's because 35 years ago I made the commitment that Christ was going to be that anchor in my life. I could look at a lot of other friends we talked about that day. Their lives had gone in very different directions. You know, we've been given this incredible gift of imagination and creativity. We've been given freedom and power. You get to choose how to use it. And the question is, will you stay grounded in Christ? Sort of, that's the important thing in life. It affects the direction that you live. It makes you want to create maybe children's books. It makes you want to create and bless life because it resonates with your nature. It makes you feel good because you're created in the image of God. Secondly, if you do choose to let God direct your life, And let God speak to you so you dream great dreams. Understand, it will not be easy. It will be hard. It will demand something from you. But that's what makes it meaningful. That's what brings the joy. Because it causes us to stretch and to pull. If it was easy just to stand up and sing the solo, or to be able to play the musical instrument, or to write, or whatever it might be, so what? It shouldn't be easy just to become the phenomenal teacher who builds a wonderful classroom or a principal who builds the school or the doctor who heals or the preacher who preaches. It should require something of us to develop the imagination and creativity to develop the skills because that's where there is the meaning and the joy you know, when I was trying to start Mission Ben, you've heard the stories. I went out to ring doorbells, knock on doors. Hello, I'm Bob Long. I'm starting a new Methodist church in your neighborhood. If you're not an active part of a local church, I'd like to invite you to come. I said it several thousand times. But there was a door I knocked on. And some of you have heard me talk about this lady. It was Ann who answered the door. What an amazing young lady. She was a young mom, had a couple kids. She was married. I invited Ann to come to church. And She said, I'll come. You know, Ann was one of those kind of people you just, you're thrilled that they made the decision to come and be a part of the church because she took care of details and she loved and she was so friendly and, oh my gosh, she was such a blessing to the church. It was not easy starting a church in an elementary school. It was hard, but Ann made such a difference. Ann was struggling in her marriage. Her husband was an alcoholic. I would visit with him when he was sober and he was a great guy. But he just couldn't stop the drinking. And when he would drink, he was mean. In the end, Ann got divorced. He would die not too long later from that disease. But she got divorced, and it was not easy being a single mom, now having to work as a teacher to put food on the table, to keep a roof over her and her children's heads. She had to work hard, but she did it. She got involved in administration in the independent school district. And then years later, she met a man named Max. Max was an incredible guy. His wife had died, leaving behind three children one child, and then a pair of twins. And it turned out their kids were all the same age, and they decided to get married, and they now had five teenagers. They were all within like three years of each other. It was not easy, it was hard. But oh, what a family they created. I watched the love, the incredible commitment to each other. It was beautiful. And then it was that Ann began to hear a call into ministry, thinking maybe God wants me to serve in the church and not in school. And so while working full time, she decided to go back to seminary. It was not easy. Studying and going to school and holding a job, and she became ordained as a United Methodist pastor. She was assigned to First Methodist Church in Houston, my home church where I grew up. My mom and dad were going there. They had known Ann for years and years and years because they would come out to Mission Bend, and now she was their pastor. As mom and dad got sick, she would come to visit them in the homes and in the hospitals. They looked to Ann to be their pastor. It'll be one year ago on April the 16th, I flew to Houston to see my mom. She'd been struggling with Alzheimer's for so long. And when I got there, Ann was waiting for us. It was Ann, Marcia, me. We went in, held hands around Mom's bed, and and she prayed a beautiful prayer. We visited for a while, and then she went to church. And Marcia and I sat down beside my mom, and we held her hand. And 30 minutes later, Mom died. I called Ann and said, you know, we want you to do mom's service just like you did dad's service. We could really get the family on a date for a Saturday. And she said, I'm leaving that Saturday to go to the Holy Land to lead a tour. And I said, well, well, you can't do this then. She goes, oh, no, no, I don't leave until like 2 in the afternoon. If we did the funeral at 10 or 11, I could do it. I said, Ann, I'd never ask you to do that. You're not asking me. I'm telling you, I want to do it. And so she conducted my mom's funeral. And when she was through, her bags were packed, the car was running, her husband was sitting in the car, and she ran out and jumped in the car to go to the Holy Land to lead a tour. It was not easy. It was hard. But I've got to tell you, when I look at Ann Spears' life, she is a lady who has a life of incredible meaning. It's been a life of learning. It has not been easy. It has been hard, but oh, what joy. And how she has blessed this world, how she has blessed me. I believe God wants to help us all to dream, to use this gift of imagination and creativity in whatever place you find yourself, in whatever it is that you do, at whatever age you may be, There is a dream. You have imagination, creativity that God calls you. You can bless life. Don't think it'll be easy. That takes away the fun. And so third, just on a personal note, I got to tell you, birthdays that have a zero in them, they're really not all that bad. But they do remind you, seize the day. It doesn't matter whether that zero goes with a two or a four or a six or an eight. When you get those zeros thrown in there, they remind you, seize the day. That this is the time that you and I have been given to use our imagination, our creativity, to dream and to give ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. You know, I've been having fun telling you about Chris Hadfield because I think he's been such an inspiration. You know, it was in 1962 that Kennedy said, Before the end of the decade, we're going to put a man on the moon. It won't be easy, it will be hard. And in 1969, when Neil Armstrong climbed out and stepped on the moon, Chris Hadfield was nine years old, there in Canada, watching on TV. And it inspired him to say, I want to fly in space, I want to be an astronaut. And he set to work doing that. It would not be easy for Chris. Oh, the things he would do, the dedication he would show. And over the next 44 years, he would become an astronaut, fly on two space shuttle missions, become the commander of the International Space Station for five months last year. I mean, he did it. 44 years, though, of becoming an astronaut And he said, when I climbed into the Soyuz capsule to leave the International Space Station, I knew it had all come to an end. I knew that when this thing landed, I'd never fly in space again. That boyhood dream, all the things I'd wanted and imagined to do, it was all coming to an end. And they rode that Soyuz capsule back down. You know, know, they do different. In the United States, we splash them down in the ocean. In Russia, they hit the land. They designed their capsules so that you crash into the land. And he said, I was prepared, and we hit Kazakhstan, and I mean, it was a hit to the ground. But when it was on, I knew that's it, it's over. But he said, I got to tell you, I really wasn't depressed. Because I was already thinking about all that the future was going to hold. When I read that, I I pondered that. Especially when you get a birthday with a zero in it. I went away to ponder, what does this mean? What is done and what does the future hold? On that Friday, I was sitting there when John and Debbie came and surprised me. What a wonderful thing. But you know, we'd been visiting about 45 minutes and I started feeling bad. Just, I mean, it's like someone flipped a switch. I just started feeling kind of sick. Finally, we'd been visiting about an hour, and I said, you got to excuse me. I got up, and I headed for the hotel room. I could barely walk. I wasn't sure I was going to make it. I opened the door and fell on the floor throwing up. And we started trying to figure it out. I texted up to Paul and said, I need you to come down and see me. And he said, I can't. I'm getting sick. And it turned out that Paul and Krista, and me, we all got deathly ill within about an hour of each other. We started kind of tracing it back through the day to see if we could figure it out, and we got back to lunch, you know, and when it came to lunch, we cooked there in the condo, and we were all trying to be very healthy, and so we cooked up some turkey burgers, and three of us ate those turkey burgers, Krista, and Paul, and me. Now, I got to tell you, on the first day, Of my seventh decade, I showed I was still learning. Because what I have learned is, turkey burgers can kill you. (laughs) Do not eat healthy. (laughs) I want that big juicy hamburger from now on. This is crazy. Oh, I was sick. For the next eight hours, I just kept getting sick. I could hardly walk. We had to get up at 5 a.m. the next morning to get home. There were no other flights available because it was spring break. I wasn't sure I could do it. Marsha packed. We barely got to the car, got to the airport. I thought, I can't do this, but I've got to do this. I got on that airplane, and sure enough, I sat towards the back, planning ahead. I got sick on the plane. We managed to land in Dallas. That's when I texted Wendy and said, how you feeling about Sunday Sermon? We finally made it home late that afternoon, and I walked in the front door, and I fell on the sofa. I slept for the next three hours. I did not feel well. But I finally started to pull myself, too. I hadn't thrown up in a while. and was starting to feel a little bit better sitting there on the sofa, kind of collecting myself. When the phone rang, and I looked down, and the, the identification said Ontario, Canada. And I thought, who the heck do I know in Ontario, Canada? I picked it up, and the voice said, hello, Bob. This is Chris Hadfield. How are you? I'm fine, Chris. How are you? It turned out that Sherry Pemberton, who's a member of our church, her sister Jamie, actually is a friend of Chris. And Sherry had been telling her about how I'd been using him in all these sermons, and so she went through and clipped out all these different places I'd told stories about Chris, put them together, sent them to him, and he was just calling to say, I want to tell you, I'm very honored that you would find something worthwhile sharing out of the book to try to encourage and help other people. So I suddenly had an opportunity, and I said, Chris, I'm kind of at that place, you know, and you're calling wish me happy birthday. I'm kind of at this place. I know that it's got this zero, and I'm sort of thinking about the future. You're now, I should be about 55, and you said you're dreaming. Have you found what you're going to do with your future? And he said, well, you know, things have gone so well, who would have dreamed the book would hit the New York Times bestseller list, so I'm running around speaking, and, and if I have to go real quick, I, I'm waiting to be interviewed on CNN. You, you can flip it on and catch it in a second, but uh, we can visit. And he said, you know, I, I've got several options coming up here soon. I've got to decide which one I want to do, because it's going to make me really commit. But he said, you know, I, I've been blessed with a wonderful example. My dad, my dad's 80 years old, and my dad is still up and going And building and creating. He goes to his shop every day and he's building things. And now he'll drop his washers and nuts. He doesn't worry about it. At the end of the week, he sends in the grandkids to pick them all up and put them back away. But he's still out there working and building and he's having a great joy. He's been an example for me. He said, you know what really I've decided is I just need a new set of tires. I said, excuse me, what? He said, Yeah, yeah. He said, Think about it. That's what the word means. It's time to retire. He said, I just need a new set of wheels because I got lots of places I'm ready to go. There are lots of places for you to go, things for you to do, the skills to zero in on and to hone. You've been created in God's image, you've been given the gift of imagination and creativity and power, and freedom. And when we stay grounded in Christ, we naturally want to create to bless life. It resonates with our soul because you've been made in God's image. You've been created for goodness. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen.